the only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Almost Famous. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest Welcome, everybody, to the greatest movie of all time podcast in which I, your co-host, Rick Barrasso, and I, your co-host, Derek Smith, will watch every single movie ever made and help decide which one is the greatest movie of all time. How are you doing today, Derek? Ever, ever, ever. All time. I'm doing good. Oh, I'm doing well, I guess. I'm doing well. Oh, I'm doing well, and I'm doing good, because we are helping the people discuss movies, and we've got a good one today, but let's talk about last time for a minute. Uh, last time on the show, we did talk about Batman, the 1989 Tim Burton, uh, I would say, superhero classic, seminal superhero movie, I said last week, uh, and I, I've gotten some pretty good feedback on on that one. Check that one out, and uh, the rest of our back catalog, got some great stuff in there on pretty much any podcast app and you know give us your feedback on any of the movies we talked about on the show we're uh, the greatest movie of all time podcast on facebook at great movie cast on twitter and you can always send us an email at greatest movie pod at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you if you like what you hear tell your friends about us but moving on to today's business last week we had a rick's pick and today we have a rex pick derek rex pick what say you for today's episode we are doing almost famous that's right. It's Cameron Crowe's 2000 coming-of-age story and love letter to the 70s rock scene. Almost Famous stars Patrick Fugit as William Miller, Kate Hudson as Penny Lane, Billy Crudup as Russell Hammond, and a whole bunch of character actors doing their character actor thing. Uh, it's got a 7.9 on the Internet Movie Database, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 90% on Metacritic. Derek, why'd you pick Almost Famous? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I'm a musician. I'm in a band. I've grown up reading Rolling Stone magazine. I grew up listening to classic rock bands. That's just my thing. And when I saw this movie, it just, it combined everything I loved about, about all that whole scene. So that, that's why I picked this one. It really is, despite some unflattering things that, uh, that happen with uh, some of the characters in this, it really is, like I said, it's a love letter to the, to the scene. Uh, do, you, do you remember when you first saw it? Um, you know what? I don't. I, I think, I think uh, it's funny. I, um, I download, I used to have uh, WinMX <laughs> on my computer and LimeWire sure. and all those things to download songs. And I remember downloading uh, a slew of Zeppelin songs. So I was trying to get into them uh, a little bit more hardcore. And I remember downloading the song, That's the Way off of Zeppelin 3. Great song. And it said, and it said, uh, Zeppelin, almost famous soundtrack on it. And I always saw that and I said, ah, I gotta see that movie. It, it must have a good soundtrack if it has a song on it. So uh, for years, I, I didn't see it. And I think finally, maybe with Gia, I think we finally watched it together. And um, I fell in love with it instantly. I've seen it since then, maybe over the last 10 years, 12 years, maybe like 25 times. Yeah. I actually, yeah. myself, I, I only saw it relatively recently, probably within the last five years or so. Mm-hmm. I, it's just one of those ones that just it just escaped me for a while. But I, I yeah, really 
decided to I, kind of on a whim just, just watch it one day and uh you know loved it it's i mean it's such a such a fun movie but is it the greatest movie of all time now let's talk about it so we do have a new segment this week and while we do suggest that you watch the movies along with us if you can we also want to make sure you're caught up so for the first time ever we're going to actually put 30 seconds on the clock for me as i describe <laughs> what happens in almost famous derek can you put me on the clock and give me a 3 2 1 go 3 2 1 Go. An aspiring 15-year-old journalist with an overbearing mother and a rebellious sister named William Miller bluffs his way into writing a piece for Rolling Stone on an up-and-coming band called Stillwater. He deals with tensions within the band, mostly caused by guitarist Russell Hammond's behavior, and is introduced to sex, drugs, and the 70s rock scene. There's a love triangle with William Russell and a groupie calls herself Penny Lane. Russell avoids giving an interview to William throughout the movie and denies the truth of what the teenager witnessed. In the end, Penny leaves them both and tricks Russell into giving his interview. Time. 25 seconds. Good Ooh. job. All right. So that's basically what happens in the movie. Not a lot of detail you can get in in, in 25 to 30 seconds. So, uh, you know, check it out and we'll talk about it and what we like about it and some of the weaknesses as well coming up now. And we do that uh, each week as we started last week by ranking our three favorite scenes. So, Derek, what is your number three scene in Almost Famous? Right. Uh, I would say my number three scene would be the scene where um, William sees Lester Bangs in the radio station. Um, and the whole scene with Lester Bangs in there talking about how, you know, he's upset. Then he sees the Doors record and he's like, come on, Jim Morrison's a drunken buffoon. And come on, listen to the guests who they have the courage to be drunken buffoons and they're still poetic. And he picks up the Iggy Pop record and the lady's like, please, it's too early for that. And he's like, not for me. Right off the bat, I was like, I love this guy. <laughs> I know he's a real person, too, who sadly passed away in the 70s. But I, I love that introduction to him. And even though we don't see him so much more in the movie, I just still thought it was a great scene. Semi-spoiler alert, Philip Seymour Hoffman may come up again on this podcast. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's, that is a great scene. And it just shows you – and what I, the thing I like about Lester Bangs in this movie is he just basically tells you what's going to happen in the movie. <laughs> right, right. Up front. But that's a great scene. So my number three scene is the plane ride. And scumbag manager Jimmy Fallon has chartered a plane for the, the band to travel in. Williams with them. They end up hitting turbulence. And everyone in the band gives confessions about, you know, I've been sleeping with your girl. I've been sleeping with your girl. <laughs> you know, I'm gay. And, <laughs> yep, yep. And, and – so before this, the, the night before this, Penny Lane had uh, overdosed and had to get her stomach pumped. And William sort of yells at everybody saying that you know, Penny had – we've ignored Penny, and, and she almost died, and you know, she's not just a groupie. I'm in love with her. And then they, they sort of break apart. I just think it's a funny scene. It's a dramatic scene. It's, just, it's, it's, it's great. So, Derek, what's your number two? And if anything, I'd actually give that an honorable mention, that scene. That's a great scene. I think I'd um, give yours an honorable mention as well. I think that's my four if I had to. Yeah, so again. number two is actually probably not going to make your list or anyone's list because I don't think it's even that memorable. But to me, it was. Like I said, um, well, I'll, I'll go into it. But my second favorite scene is when William finally tells them they're going to be on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Um, and the reason why is because I've always dreamed in my head that someday my band would, would do that. I think everybody who's ever been in a band has always dreamed to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. And it just the reactions were kind of cool. It was they were kind of playing it off as like kind of cool, except for Jason Lee's character who was like, 
come on guys the Beatles were on there yeah you know and they said they start singing the song about the Rolling Stone magazine and it just kind of excites me to see that scene and how they react and how it comes about no one's listening to a word William is saying until he finally mentions Rolling Stone magazine and they all shut up and look at him like are you serious yeah um and I I just it, 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 it gives me it gives me kind of giddy giddy seeing that scene so it really is it, in a movie that it can be at times pretty cynical I wouldn't say cynical, but but realistic about yeah. You, know, you hear Lester Bangs a lot say you know they're not your friends. They're they're using you. You got to use them. This is I think a moment of really genuine excitement and happiness mm-hmm. from especially from Russell, who you never quite know if he's being legit. Right. And I think in this moment, everyone is just their guard is just ripped right down. So that's a that's a great uh, that's a great shout. My number yep. two scene is when they escape the uh the venue without finishing their set uh russell is russell's electrocuted by faulty wiring and the the band sort of flees the venue the 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 owner of the venue is chasing them on a golf cart fariza bach is is like trying to tell william that his mother had called and runs into a wall yep yep and they they band uh they blow through a lock gate and it ends with the the beginning of that's the way so Little little connection to your your memory there, but I, it's I just found myself laughing uh, at this the, the whole time. I, I, I love the the part and within that scene when Noah Taylor, who plays the manager of the band, oh Noah Taylor, uh, like, what uh, was he in a TV show? Oh, um, you're nothing without your daddy, <laughs> <laughs> Locke from Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, he he's like I don't know, he's like about to fight the uh, the uh, promoter. He's like, what are you what are you Bruce Lee? I don't know why, but I just love that segment. He it's reminded like gonna, me of the, another popular person of that. Of I'm that gonna time. I'm gonna forget his name, but you'll probably know it. It, it reminded me a lot of, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if this is where the story came from, of uh, Zeppelin's manager Richard right, yeah. Richard something, uh, yep. I believe. It just constantly fighting with <laughs> with venue people. Yes, yes. Because uh, if you, if you didn't yeah. know this 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 story is sort of semi autobiographical. Uh, Cameron Crowe did write for Rolling Stone. He traveled with a bunch of bands, Zeppelin being one of them. There's a whole list of them that he sort of mashed together to to create still. Right. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, uh, he he traveled with the Almond Brothers. Yeah. And then uh, and then he had uh, uh, different bands he was with. And then I guess Russell Hammond is based on Glenn Frey of the Eagles. Interesting. <laughs> wouldn't yeah. wouldn't yeah. have guessed that. So, Me neither. I, I, I assume Dickie Betts of Allman Brothers, but no, yeah. I guess it was Frey, which, which is in the trivia of IMDb anyway. Yeah. So. Well, IMDb trivia, iffy, one way or the other. Right. But, you know, Derek, I, I think, you know, maybe you could surprise me. I don't know. But I, I think for me, number one is, is far and away number one. But what do, what do you have? Uh, I'm actually not going in that route that you're okay. going in. Um, okay. That's an, another honorable mention. It was in my number two for a while. Okay. But then when I rewatched the movie, I just had a different shuffle this yeah. time, different things that affected me. I absolutely love and, and And again, I think we talked about this before on how music, and, and actually this is going to be the same thing you're talking about is how music yeah. depicts a scene sometimes, but this is a different one. It's when Russell goes to William's house by accident and sits down in his room yeah. and he's like, to begin with, Everything. everything yeah and then the tangerine by led zeppelin hits and it's like wow it's just so good um yeah. and I, I actually there's a trivia fact about this that nobody knows because how would you um apparently on the dvd commentary or like the extras there's a, a list of like 
the band Stillwater's fake albums. And one of the first album that they do that they have is called To Begin With. That's their debut album. Yeah. So it's a joke between Russell and William because he says to begin with and William chuckles and he says everything. So to them, it's like an inside joke. That's our album name. I know, but how are we supposed to know that? Right. Um, but I just, I love that scene mixed with Tangerine. It's just, that's spectacular. And I know exactly what you're going to say. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, to talk, to talk about that sort of final scene in the movie a little bit, I really like the Russell for, for those who don't know, he, he's, you know, I said in sort of my, my rundown that Penny tricks them, tricks Russell sort of into giving this interview uh, yep. to William. Uh, he, he believes he's going to, to Penny's house and he, he meets William's mother. And uh, William's mother is like, yeah, I knew we had a connection when we talked. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Russell's like putting it together. He's like, fuck. But then he. <laughs> I love we, he, Russell's like, he's like, where am I? Yeah. And then <laughs> is she Zoe Day, she knows, like, hello. Yeah. Zoe Day, she like, hello. And he's like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wonder, interesting piece. Like I said, Russell is sort of throughout the movie. You never get quite a you you never know if you're seeing the real Russell. But it, right. I think that the most important moment for his character in the movie is in that scene where he says he had already called Rolling Stone. Yep. Because I think we we finally get like oh he's evolving into like maybe not a good person but a not a total asshole. Right. Right. But uh, my my number one, and I think I would most people's number one uh, in yes. this uh, in this movie, maybe the most famous scene is when the band they're in a fight. Russell and William had just gone to like a high school house party. Russell did Chupica. a yeah. Russell just did a a bunch of drugs. The band is upset because a T-shirt came out where Russell is is sort of front and center, and the rest of the band's in shadow. And they, they pick Russell and William up and the band, the band-aids who are, you know, what the groupies call themselves, William, they all sing Tiny Dancer together. And mm-hmm. to me, it's, this is, the music does stand for something. This is a makeup sex scene without any sex. <laughs> That's great. Right? That's great. They, yep. you know, they're, they're making up with each other by doing the thing that they all love. And, they, and the one thing that all these people have in common is that they truly love music, right? They, nothing else is holding them together other than they love music. And this is how they express their love to each other. Yep, it's like a, and music's like a worldly connection to, for people. And that, it, they, they just do that scene so well. I'm just giving that yeah, to you. I agree. Um, and it's, so it's, it's, the, it's the perfect song, I think. It's a song that pretty much everybody loves when they hear it. Yep. And I think the, the end with, with William saying, oh, I have to go home and, and Penny telling me that he is home. Yes. That's when you find your people, and I'm sure you can attest to that as a musician. You know, when you find your your thing, it doesn't necessarily have to be music. Right. When you find your tribe, and I think William does this in this scene, there's nothing quite like that. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and it reminds me of what Russell says later after he, they quote unquote, sell Penny Lane to Humble Pie for some beer uh when he's like listen this is the circus you know everybody knows what it is yeah you know and i love that about it you know like william joins the circus that's his home now you know i like that it's really cool yeah and and i think it it very much is these people are sort of stunted emotionally in so many ways mm-hmm. but all of them take the music very seriously yes you know there's there's not a character in the movie who's like ah i'm just you know, I'm just punching in, punching out. It's 
everyone's very passionate about it. Exactly. So uh, unfortunately, uh, we, I mean, as we've gone through what we didn't like, you know, with the bad comes the good, where with the light comes the dark. And let's uh, let's discuss our least favorite parts of the film. Derek, what, do you, what is your least favorite part of Almost Famous? Oh, man, this is such a horrible, horrible, horrible cop-out. And you're going to hate me for this because for me, this this movie is is almost perfect in a lot of ways for me. But sure. I just, I don't know what it is. Like, I couldn't think of something specific. So the one, I, and this might not even be a worst. This could be a good thing. So that's why I think it's a cop-out. But yeah. I just want like 45 more minutes of this movie. Yeah. Um, I just want to see more. I want to see more behind the scenes with the band and, but they give us so much already. And I don't know, I'm just, I, maybe it's me. I just want to see more. I, I just, I wrote that. I just want more yeah. of the movie. There's a, there's a lot a happening. There's a lot happening. And I think the movie does shift a lot, especially towards the, the beginning and towards the end of this is Williams movie. And I think yeah. what I'm hearing is that you almost want it to be more about the band. You know, well, you, and maybe not. Yeah, like I, I like when uh, you know, like I like there's, there's little segments where like you really like. I think I think Cameron Crowe did a great job about like, okay, this is 1973. Let me show you which artists were really popular and like the whole David Bowie scene. Yeah. All the fans excited about Bowie, and then they bring up all different artists and talking about the Who and uh, this is the last gasp it, of rock and roll. And I always considered that for me, it was always. The, the golden years of rock and roll were between yeah. 1966 and 1973 was always my opinion. And then when the movie said it, I was like, I can't believe we're on the same page. Well, it's, um, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's that scene where I almost use this as the quote at the beginning of the episode where, you know, Lester is saying, man, you know, I wish you were here for rock and roll, but at least you're here for the death throes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, and I just want to see, I want to see more of this universe. Let me, let me throw that, something, let me know. throw something at you. And I think maybe this, I think if this movie were made today, 20 years later, it would be a, an, a Netflix TV show, right? It wouldn't be a movie. Rick, I have been working quietly, and I, this is the first time I've ever said it out loud. It's been like a 15-year a thing. I've been slowly for 15 years working on a quote-unquote HBO series about the rise and fall of a band. Yeah. And I, I think the reason why I want more is because I feel like there's not a lot of movies about this. There's not I, don't, many. I don't even think it needs to necessarily and this is different than your thing but the, if if you were to say here's yeah i mean almost famous is like if you recall like you know season one is almost famous it's a tour and season two right. is yeah what's it no more planes that that the, they say on the on the bus at the, at the end yeah I, yeah you know i i think it would be i think that's really how this should be formatted because i, right. I think it would it's one of the few movies that you could stretch it out and you could add a little bit more about this character or that character and, and not have it be diminishing returns. Right. Right. So my least favorite thing, and I'm going to keep this very brief. And this person is going to be my least favorite thing in any movie he's in most likely. And that's Jimmy Fallon. Fuck Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) Moving on. So, okay. All right. (laughs) Now that we've gone over our favorite scenes and our least favorite parts of the movie, let's give out some awards. We do this every week in the form of a bronze, silver, and gold medal to individuals impacted, benefited from, or were in any way integral to the movie. Derek, who do you have as your bronze medal winner? My bronze goes to the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lester Bangs. Um, Just love him in this. Um, I love him in most things. Uh, he's just a lovable guy, and uh, he's such a talent. He was such a talented guy, and uh, yeah. he just uh, he makes this so real. 
You know, he makes the role very, even though it is real, he just bring he just brings up the best in, in all the scenes he's in. And he had the flu for the majority of the time he was filming this movie. So props to him. <laughs> you know what, Derek, my bronze medal is also Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lester Pangs. <laughs> nice. Like I said, the, the, he shows up, he lays out exactly what to expect. He is basically what William wants to be when he grows up. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, like we said, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman is almost the inverse of Jimmy Fallon. If he shows up in a movie, he's probably going to get a medal somewhere along the line. Right. Even if he shows up and just walks through in the background and be like, that Philip Seymour Hoffman, he, he really is, I think, one of the great all-time screen actors. And he was taken way too soon. So rest in peace. And, uh, yeah. And, and one last thing about, and this is more, this is probably more about a scene than actually him specifically, but I do love when Lester Banks is like, listen, it's good to meet you. I just can't stand here and talk to my medic fans. And then a second later, he's just sitting with them at a restaurant. Yeah. It's like, it just, he just humanizes this man. Like, yeah, this guy is a top writer in, in the country about music, but he, he's a loser like William in a lot of ways or a geek. And I, I love that about him. And it is very much, I think that shows the world of this movie just on the precipice of changing because imagine writing to a celebrity at this point and just being like, Oh, you're the guy who sends me stuff. And like, let's go get coffee. Yeah. You're the kid who sends me stuff. But yeah, it's it's a great character. It's a great actor. Who do you have for silver? All right. My silver goes to Billy Crudup, uh, who plays uh, Russell Hammond. Um, For me, it's sort of weird. Sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'll say, wow, that actor looks like this guy. Why didn't they just pick the guy who I thought? Why did they pick this guy who kind of looks like him? I can't think of it on top of my head right now, but this was the opposite. When yeah. I saw this movie, I remember reading that Brad Pitt had the role for a few days and then was like, I don't get it, which is kind of strange. Um, and it went to Billy, I guess, kind of unknown Billy Crudup. And I guess to this day, he's still kind of <laughs> relatively unknown to the masses. Um, but well, he I just ve- you very he- famously see his dick dangling in Watchmen, so... <laughs> right, right. That's true. But he's almost, you know, he's unrecognizable in that film. Yeah. Um, and, and I just think he does a great job. I, I, when I saw the movie, I was like, I can't wait to see more of Billy Crudup. Um, and then I went back and I found other movies he was in, like Sleepers, things like that. Um, but I thought he did a great job. I thought he looked, kind of reminded me of like a George Harrison, the way they made him look. Um, yeah. He just was a really, like, for me, he was likable because I know, like, I know musicians and I know a lot of them are elitist. <laughs> and they think their shit is ice cream. Um, yeah. And I think he did a great job in the role. You know, I actually have Billy Crudup as my silver as well. I think our goal is going to be different. I, I do believe our goal is going to be different, but uh, all right. yeah, uh, maybe not, maybe not. But uh, yeah, I have uh, Billy Crudup. He, he, I, I just, he, I think he captures the mystique of what a rock star is. You know, he, he is, you never quite know where he stands on something in the few moments where you do like cut to the, the cut to the quick of who he is, he does a great job of showing that. You know, when you say Brad Pitt, he, Brad Pitt does kind of do something. It's different, but kind of similar to that in um, the assassination of Jesse James uh, by the coward, Robert Ford. That's a, that's a movie worth, that's an episode that we should do on, on the Sooners. That's a really fun movie. Yeah, certainly. We'll do that one. Yeah. And I think Billy Crudup is, is is a guy. I think he could have been a really big star, but he just didn't break out for some reason, and I don't know why. I actually read that he like had opportunities to take humongous roles, and I think from what I read, he was kind of like, I don't really want to be in the limelight so much. Sure. Um, don't know. I, I mean, it sounds like a cop out or sounds like a, a fake story, no. but it could be true. You know, it's something like he just I don't really want to take those roles, and I don't really want to be that person. So. Well, hey, who makes you happy? 
So who uh, who has who gets your gold for the week? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Cameron Crow. You know, I, I just again before you know I said that I, there's not a lot of movies or even shows for that matter that are about fictitious bands, and uh, he uh, he made the universe really really cool for me. He did it right. I mean, I've seen this movie many many times, and I don't think there's a lot of mistakes in this movie. Like, oh, I even saw like a T-shirt that somebody was wearing, like a. Uh, What's his name? Jay Brichelle, uh Seth Rogen's yeah. buddy, who was like, who was a Zeppelin kid. Cheaters, but he has that yeah. shirt on that's like, um, it says, has anyone seen the bridge? And Plant says that on House of the Holy. And yeah. I was like, House of the Holy is 1973. This movie takes place in 73. I think he got that right. I just wanted to make sure yeah. he got things right. And he did. And I was like, props to this guy for doing his research, for getting Peter Frampton in there to like help the guys be a band. Um, the score is incredible. The music's incredible. He just did a great job. He's 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 my gold. I could see that, you know, and he does bring. And then one thing we should mention is the soundtrack to this movie is absolutely incredible. Incredible, yeah, and, one of the and, best ever, I think. And and he does call in favors to get right. Zeppelin to allow like three Zeppelin songs in the movie. Yep, you know, he calls in favors because Zeppelin never in movies because they they're like millions of dollars to put in it but uh you know he, he calls in favors and, and gets it done so i can see that yeah, it's a good point like zeppelin is hard like jimmy page is a hard band to crack he won't yeah. give his songs to a lot of things and he got three <laughs> yeah so i went in another direction and, and i could definitely see i really consider cameron crow but i actually went with another actor in the movie an actress actually and yeah. i I just on this rewatch, I think that every scene that she's in is she's absolutely incredible. She got an Oscar nomination for that, and that is Frances McDormand who plays Elaine. I knew she was going to be your gold. I yeah. knew it, and and I, I, I for some reason I just I for some reason I, I was thinking about her too because she's one of those people that kind of like you kind of bypass if you're just a regular watcher. Um, but yeah, you're right. She's incredible in it. I was going into this movie. I was. Not even considering her. I did, she's not even on my short list for gold, but she's so good. She yeah, it, she really is. Yeah, and she's great in everything, but she just crushes every scene that she's in. You know who that character is from the second she walks on screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And she and I think one of my another favorite scene honorable mention is when she's talking to Russell on the phone. Yeah, and just catches him by surprise. Like, yeah, yeah. I just think it's great. Like Russell great sweat Russell swaggers up to the phones like, "Hey, we're here with your son," and she just puts him on his heels immediately. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. She she's great. She's great, and she, I I think very deserving the gold. Cameron Crowe is as well. You know but, what's funny? You know what's funny, Rick? Especially about this movie. There's a few moments in the movie that I feel like they're going to go in one direction and they just don't do it. I don't know if he does it on purpose, but two things right it come to mind right away. One of them is when Russell jumps in the pool from jumping off the roof. I'm a golden god. Yeah. The camera stays in the pool for so long and Russell does not come up from that water. for not, And then they just go to the next scene and he's fine. I thought, like, I remember when I was watching it with my dad, I remember he was like, uh-oh, like, is he going to drown? Yeah. And then, some, you know what I mean? It, I was like, okay, okay, they didn't do that, okay. And then later on, they do that thing where Russell's on the phone, and she's like, listen, my son's a 15-year-old kid, and Russell turns around and looks at Russell like, what the, the fuck? The blood, I mean, like, like drops out of his face, like, what have I been and doing? Like, but, but, but they don't go into that, like, I didn't know you were 15, like, they, they just skip past it and go go for it. And I'm like, is Cameron Crowe tricking us, like, he's gonna do something and they don't do it, you know what I mean? It's kind of weird. So, the people who just talked about the movie could not exist without them, but perhaps 
there is someone who could be switched out, maybe even more than one. So let's recast this. Derek, did you have any any possible recasts for this movie? So this was a tough one because uh, my brain was just not on when I was thinking about this. Uh, usually there's some days where I could recast a whole movie within my thought process within five minutes. Yeah. Uh, for this one, I couldn't think of people for some reason. But I'm going to be honest when I say this is that I think Kate Hudson did a great job, but I think a lot of actresses could have pulled that off. I have um, a I have one and a half, and one of that is 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 kind of that. Are we okay. sure? Not even putting out to Hollywood. Kate Hudson did a great job in this movie, but are we 100% sure that the actress is in the movie? She's the best one to play Penny. Do you right? Uh, do you I think, think Zoe Deschanel? No, no. I think either oh. Anna Paquin or Fariza Balk could have been Fariza Penny Lane. Yeah. Although I, I honestly, I'm going to be honest. I think Anna Paquin's my least favorite in the entire movie. She looks I think, like a ten year old girl half the time. I, I, yeah, really I think bothered. I think I almost put Anna Paquin better, but really, what I think is Anna Paquin five years later could have been Penny Lane. Yeah, yeah, she looked way too young. It was almost yeah. disturbing. Like, what is Jerry Lee Lewis going to walk in on for? Well, it, um, it it is it is also like that's the thing. You know, we talk about Jimmy Page. You know, Jimmy Page was with like thirteen right. year old girls. Uh, yeah. You know, supposedly, yep. allegedly. I, I I wonder if I think Fariza Bach could have done a really good job as well right right i, I agree she she's 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 a, she's a great actor I, I like her in most things she's in so yeah um she, another one who's like where'd she go what happened to freeze mock like she she should be in more things but did you did you have like another actress in mind that's not in the movie or did i mean not specifically but i'm gonna be so i'm gonna be honest and i'm gonna be very i mean i'm gonna be very selfish right now and, and sort of be like one-dimensional when i say this and, and i usually don't do this but because this movie is so close to my heart and because I love movies that depict fictitious bands and I love the people, I almost wanted to be, I wanted to be Russell or William in the sense that I wanted to fall in love with Penny Lane while watching this movie. Yeah. I really did because they did. And I just don't find Kate Hudson attractive. I just don't. And, um, I, and I just wish there was another actress who I thought was just gorgeous and that I, and it's a very you know it's shallow of me to say that but i'm just being honest like i wish because it's has to do with music mm-hmm. i love it so much i just wanted her to be my like that my, my crush in hollywood sure. and it just wasn't you know I, I think i mean i think she's a very beautiful woman uh physically but yeah i'm sure she's a very nice person as well i don't know i've never met her but uh <laughs> of course. beautiful inside and out but i i think i think if it were fariza bach or someone of that type you could be like, okay, this is a specific type that I can see people going for, you know, or or something like that. It just sort of mysterious and draws you in. Penny Lane, yeah. she's she's great in the movie, but it does make you think like, what is so different about her than every other groupie? Right. Other right, than right. she's very pretty, which a lot of the groupies are very pretty, you know. Even there's a scene where uh, Russell's on the phone with his mother. Three different girls walk by who Kate Hudson's like, go, keep walking, keep yeah. walking. And they give her dirty looks. All three of those girls, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's, again, it's a shallow thing to say, but I was like, I, Kate Hudson's a good actress. I mean, that's why they got her. I mean, she, she, she's good, you know? Well, this, and, yeah, this was her breakout as well. And yeah. she, this is still by far her best role. And I hate to like take it yeah. away from her, but. <laughs> right. You know? So I have, I have one other one, and this is more because I think nobody does a bad job in this movie, I don't think. But this right. is more of a what if, because Patrick Fugit, he does a good job, right? 
but I don't think, I think other people could do it. Sure. Sure. And I was thinking actors around the same age. And what if this is Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I could, I could definitely see that. Um, the one thing that, I mean, it's funny when I think of him at that age, the only thing I could think of is like, well, I guess he's a little older, but 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt could have absolutely played the part. I think, I think you're right about that. And like I said, I think he, Patrick Fugit did a good job, but I think anyone could have played the role as well. Um, yeah. I, I didn't want to go too, like too out of control with, with this and you know, too off the reservation because I think that it is sort of a cipher for Cameron Crowe. Yep. So, uh, you know, there, there are probably younger actors who could play it totally differently, you know, or mm-hmm. younger actors at that time. But it, it, I think keeping it as like dark haired, skinny kid yeah. is, is what he was going for. So I think, I think JGL could have done it, but Patrick Fugit, right. great job. Yeah. I will say there's one other thing about the movie that I'm just thinking about now that kind of bothers me. And it's mm-hmm. like, the scene where she leaves all of her vinyl records to, to William and he goes through them all and ends up picking Tommy, opens it up, there's a note, light a candle, you'll see a future. He puts the, he puts the record on and it's literally the middle of a song. <laughs> like that part, that part that he plays, because I, I went back when I first watched it and I was like, oh, I got to get into Tommy now. I got I to gotta listen to more albums by The Who. And I was going through all the songs so I can catch that song and I couldn't find it. I went to the whole album four times and then finally... I listened to the whole thing all the way through and it was like the middle section of track nine. And I was like, that's so weird. Let me ask, let me ask you this. And I didn't, I didn't recast it because I don't think it's a huge part. Really. It's an important part, but it's not a huge part. Is Zoe Deschanel good in this movie? I think she does the job. Well, I don't know. Her voice is funny to me. Like she, she's a quirky sister. Like, uh, I, I think her lines are funny. I, 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 and also, which is really strange, only in this movie I realized she actually looks a lot like her younger brother, the, the kid who plays the youngest version of William. They actually kind of look alike. I noticed for this time. Um, you know, maybe it, it would have been worked. weird to have J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt against you know acting against her as his sister. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> actually, now um, that I think but yeah, I think she's. I, I love the uh, when she's a stewardess and like, I don't know. She comes back and just happens to see him. I don't know. I kind of like her in the role. I. She, that's just me. I think she's. I think she's a little on the weird. She's had better performances. Let's say that. Sure. I mean, she's still young there too. Yeah, she's that's one true. of her first like big things. That's true. Yeah. So moving on, uh, we here at the greatest movie of all time. We do recognize that not every movie can be the greatest. Only one can. We know this, but we also contend that every movie can do at least one thing better than any other movie. Derek, what does Almost Famous do better than any other movie? So. I'm going to say this movie does this thing better than any other movie, except maybe one. Okay. Um, I think it depicts a fictitious band the best. And what that – Spinal involves, Tap is the other one? Spinal Tap's not re- – Spinal Tap is, is, is meant to be goofy in a comedy, but that's sure. not always with bands. Like ba- bands sure. like, you know what I mean? Bands don't go like, hey, let's do these goofy – everyone has a cold sore. Like it's funny. It's a comedy. But this is like – it, it, Almost Famous has a lot of comedic parts, but yeah. literally from being in a band, I know exactly what they're talking about when they have those fights. Yeah. Um, it's so it's so real. It's so like, you know, let, let's talk about all the problems. Like, you know, you, you think you're above us. Like, I, it's just, it's so real. It's so real. What's your um, other, what's think, your, is the, is Spinal Tap the other one you, you mentioned? Or no, is there another no, one? Spinal Tap, no. The other one would be that thing you do. Okay. Well, about the wonder, the wonders. Yeah, the that, that, that depicts a Video Needers, exactly. Those two movies for me, they depict bands so well. The ups and downs. Um, Spinal Tap, again, like it's, it's one of my favorite comedies, but that's just what it is. It's a comedy and it's a spoof. 
yeah um sort of speak so but yeah but the best thing they do i think is just depict depict what a band what they go through i, I love the line later on when like they get the calls from Rolling Stone. He's like, we look like buffoons. He's like, yeah, exactly. Because that's what you are. That's you're. I look like an asshole struggling. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are. You're an average yeah. Band, yeah you're, you're an average band struggling with success. That's what pretty much every band is. Uh, if you that's get another, success, but that's I, another yeah. great, uh, great Phil Seymour Hoffman scene where he's on the phone with him and he's like, yeah, tell, uh, tell the editor that uh, it's a think piece about uh, a band <laughs> struggling. <laughs> Struggling with yeah, yeah, exactly. And Jason Lee has a lot of great lines too. Like the really so great. I yeah. never said that. <laughs> I really tried to get to get Jason Lee to get a medal because he's so much fun. Like I, he I, is a lot of fun. Yeah. The only problem I have with Jason Lee is that the singing voice they got for Jason Lee, in no shape or form, matches his actual speaking voice <laughs> yeah. in the movie. It's just like completely left and right. And I was like, they could have found somebody to sing a little bit more like him, but whatever. I'm just nitpicking at that right, point. I've got, I've, got, I've got one. I think that this movie has the best sing-along in a non-musical. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that, that's definitely true. I can't think of another one that's as good as that one. The, the only one I can think of is, and, and again, it's all always very comedic, and it's the, the one that I can think of. It's like the end of 40-Year-Old Virgin. Uh, oh, the Aquarius. yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. that one's that one's fun, but I think this one's better because this one is like diegetic and it's yeah these are just people singing a song. I I, yeah. I shouldn't say that. So maybe maybe uh, maybe the sea shanties and Jaws, but that's I feel like that's a different vibe. Right, the, right. The the best sing along of a pop song in a non musical. Yes, yes. Let's exactly. say that. All right, so we've uh, we've told you now about we what we like. You know, every uh, every year. The, uh, the Hollywood bigwigs get together and they give out some awards and they call them the Oscars because they look like somebody's Uncle Oscar. That's a true story. Wow. Yes. This, I was only, if I'm not mistaken, only wins one, but it is a big one. It is uh, Best Original Screenplay. It's, uh, it's nominated twice for Best Supporting Actress and is nominated for Best Editing. But not a whole lot of nominations for, for a movie that I thought would really have more. Right. But it is a pretty good year. So let's let's talk about the major categories and let's see if we can you know if we want to change some winners around or throw this in as a nominee. Yeah, this is uh, Oscars take place in two thousand one. Let's start with Best Picture. The mm-hmm. winner is Gladiator. Okay, I mean, duh, great, I guess. Great movie, great movie. Other <laughs> yeah. nom- other nominees, Chocolat, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, and Traffic. I mean, okay. just right off the bat, what is Chocolat doing there? I mean, I, it just sounds like it shouldn't be in there, but... It really should. I don't know. I, I think... I've seen it. It's fine. This is ten times the movie that Chocolat right. is in my opinion. So are we, are we right away booting that one out for Almost Famous? I, I think we have to, because Crouching Tiger's really good, Traffic's really good, Aaron Brockovich is is pretty good, at least, and, Glad, and you know, Gladiator's tremendous, obviously. I, I think I think this is a lot better than, than Chocolat. Right. Does it take Best Picture or Gladiator? It's a discussion. But yeah, two different two different types of very film too, very so different. I I'm not willing. Yeah. I'm not not ready to make that determination quite yet. Maybe when we revisit this right. year somewhere down the line. Yep. Best director Steven Soderbergh wins for Traffic. 
other nominees, Stephen Daldry for Billy Elliot, Ang Lee for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Ridley Scott for Gladiator, and another nomination for Steven Soderbergh, who won the award. He was also nominated for Aaron Brockovich. Wow, good year for him. Great year for Soderbergh. It's funny, I think, I feel like Cameron Crowe probably felt a little snubbed by this. Yeah, let's not, okay. Soderbergh doesn't need to talk two nominations. <laughs> you really don't need to. You know, let's 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 get rid of Aaron Brockovich in that. It, it just Agreed. come on, don't don't be greedy, Steve. Right. <laughs> so best this, actor was this, was, this, was this guy's name ever brought up again in Academy Awards? I'd love to know that. Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Uh, let me look. Because like, if this was a special year, I had two films. Like, wow, this guy's going to be up there every year, and then like he just isn't anymore. That's kind of interesting too. Tended after this, he tended to go more populist. Yeah, he did the the Oceans movies. He did Contagion, which is a great movie and terrifying to watch in 2020. Yeah. Was he nominated after this? I don't think he was nominated after this, but he was nominated before this. These these were his, his last two nominations for for director, but he was nominated in. He was nominated for Best Original Screenplay for Sex, Lies, and Videotape in 1990. So mm-hmm. he's had a really good career, but he tended to stray away from Oscar-type movies after this. Gotcha. So Best Actor, I'm not going to make the case for Patrick Fugit here. Best Actress, I don't think there's a Best Ast- Actress nominee, considering the two yeah. biggest female roles ended up being nominated for Supporting Actress. Right. Supporting Actor, I think we we might be able to make the case for someone. Billy Crudup, Philip Seymour Hoffman, maybe? I mean, Crudup, I mean... I, I think give Crudup it gets nominated, yeah. He's, I mean, Hoffman, his, his screen time is very limited. He's in, what, three scenes, maybe? Yeah. He's, maybe? If, no. there was like a, if there was like a super supporting actor, if this is like a smaller supporting actor. <laughs> super supporting actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He super sure. supports the movie. But yeah, Best Supporting Actor for this year, uh, Benicio Del Toro wins in Traffic. Other nominees. It's it's a it's a good year. It's a good year for this category. Jeff Bridges in The Contender, Will, Willem Dafoe, uh, Shadow of the Vampire, which is an underrated movie. I feel like uh, Albert Finney and Eric Aaron Brockovich, and Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. Ah, gotcha. It's a really good okay. year. So I, I can. Yeah, I can, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. I mean, I, I haven't seen a few of those, so it's hard for me to say, but. You know, any other year, maybe Crudup should have gotten a nom. Yeah. I mean, I'm tempted. I do like Albert Finney, but I'm tempted to to replace him because Crudup is excellent in this. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think that's the direction I go. And I and yeah. I, I I think I'm sure we'll have a Gladiator episode, and I think uh, at that point I'm going to make the case that Joaquin Phoenix probably should have won. You know, what I, I can't believe, and this is going off subject real quick. I can't believe Albert Finney was in Skyfall, and I didn't realize it until like my the sixth time watching it. Oh, really? Yeah, he's he's the like I, the guy, the I housekeeper at the end, right? I didn't know that was him, and that was yeah. like his last film, I think, or something like that. Yeah. So last uh, last category we're going to talk about here: best supporting actress, and it's appropriate that we talk about this one because, as I said, Almost Famous has two nominations, neither of them win. Marsha Gay Harden wins for Pollock. Wow. Uh, I have seen that movie and she is very good in it, but she, yeah. she's a, she's a, I think she's a really strong actress, but she tends to play always the bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, good. Other nominees, uh, as we had Kate Hudson as Penny Lane, Frances McDormand as Elaine Miller, 
Judy Dench in Chocola, and Julie Walters in Billy Elliot. You know, I'm kind of surprised Kate Hudson got a Best Supporting Actress nom and not a Best Actress nom. Because I feel like her and... I feel like she's the lead actress in the movie, and I feel like she, sure. her screen time may give her that. I don't know. Let's, let's quickly go over Best Actress, and I think it makes sense why she didn't push to be in that. Because Best Actress Julia Roberts wins for Erin Brockovich, mm-hmm. which... She was just a powerhouse. It was like, we're going to give you, I think they decided we're going to give Julia Roberts her Oscar here because she's a huge right. star. Not that she's so not good in the Kate movie. you think preemptively known? Like, I, have no I think so. I Roberts think so. Here. But let me tell you, I don't think Julia Roberts should have won this year just based on the okay. nominees because the other nominees, there's three that are just placeholders and one I think should have won. Joan Allen in The Contender, Juliette Binoche in Chocolat, and Laura Linney in You Can Count On Me. The one I think that should have won was Ellen Burstyn in Requiem for a Dream. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Big yes. Yeah. Wow. So that that performance is incredible. Oof. Yeah. She, she, wow. I, you know what? I, I kind of want to watch Erin Brockovich now and Requiem for a Dream back to back. And just yeah. See, because Ellen Burstyn, she was great in Requiem for a Dream. Oh my yeah. God. So I think there were two... I think Julia Roberts had sort of the mainstream, like let's give the big celebrity an award track. Right. And Ellen Burstyn probably had the more underground, like if we're going to give it to somebody else, it's going to be her track. So there wasn't much room for Kate Hudson in that, even though she's arguably a lead actress. Yes. Okay. Agreed. Definitely agreed. But to that point, do we want to give either Kate Hudson or Frances McDormand this award over Marsha Gay Harden? I've not seen Pollock, so you can you can speak to this better than I can. I mean, it's been a while, and I've always liked her as an actress. Um, I don't think Frances McDormand, though, really, even even if her performance as her character is better than Kate Hudson's, I, I can't really. She's not in this. That. Yeah, she she doesn't. I, like, I get what you're Kate, saying. Yeah. Kate Hudson is she's the face of the movie. She's literally, um, yeah, her face is on the cover so of the, the, if, the poster. If she, if, she yeah. lost, if she lost to somebody else who had a lot less screen time, and I don't know, it would have been weird. Um, if but, Kate Hudson you know, wins this, is her career, like, incredibly different from that point forward? Because after this, it's, it's, it's rom-com, rom-com, rom-com. Right. I was going to say, I actually thought that she won for this, and I don't know why I thought that. But I guess the nomination is enough to be like, all right, let's hire Kate Hudson for more things. But I don't know if she necessarily wins that. I think she did a good job, but again, we both think that anyone could have played that character, so or a lot, yeah. a lot of different actresses could have. So yeah. I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna just stick with Marcia Gay Harden for this one. I think. Okay, all right. So we'll uh, we'll leave that up, and we may discuss it in future episodes. But now, Derek is the most important part of the podcast, <laughs> and I hope you're prepared I for never, this. One. <laughs> I know I never prepare for these on purpose. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so now we're gonna put thirty seconds on the clock for you. And you're going to tell us, the listening audience, why Almost Famous is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready? Not really. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to – that's too bad because we're going anyway. I'm going to say three, two, one, go, and then you go. All right? Three, okay. two, one, go. If you are a music fan, if you're a fan of classic rock, if you're a fan of 60s and 70s type music, this is a movie that shows the story of a band, 
uh, and their struggles. It shows a story of, uh, of a teenager trying to uh, write for this band and trying to get into the music scene. Uh, the acting's incredible. The soundtrack is one of the best I've ever heard in my entire life. This movie's incredible. It's dramatic. Tiny Dancer by Elton John. You got to see this movie. Cl- class act. A plus. All right. And that is time. 29.8 seconds. You came you cut it <laughs> very close, but I you got like, it every, in there. Every word I was saying, I was like, when is he going to cut me off? When yep. are you going to cut me off? I'm just doing words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was almost famous. Let us know if you think that yeah, this is the greatest movie of all time. If yeah, we uh, didn't give Kate Hudson the credit she deserved, or we yeah, get, let us know. Let us your, let us know your opinion. Like we said, just quickly go over again: greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at Great Movie Cast on Twitter and Greatest Movie Pod at Gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you. We may read your opinion on the uh, on the show if it's uh, entertaining or get some discussion going. But now we move on to next week's business. And we are going to have a very special guest next week. Derek, do you want to tell the people at home who is going to be the guest star of the greatest movie of all time next week? Yes. For all you listeners out there, the next guest we're going to have next week is going to be my wife. My wife. My wife. And what are we going to be talking about? (laughs) We are going to do. Not Gloria. (laughs) I think this is going to be a lot of fun, but we are going to do. The cult classic Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's right. We're going to do the time warp again. Because we're talking we about are Rocky going to Horror. do the time warp again. <laughs> because we are going to talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, Derek Smith. Keep listening to rock and roll, everybody.